We're going to put it up there on the screen for you. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Again, thank you for your giving. We didn't thank you earlier. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. Read it to you one more time. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. I want to preach to you this morning with God's help on hearing from him. Hearing from him. Let us pray. Reverend Tulek, sir, would you please pray over our message messenger. You may be seated. It was a phone call out of the blue. It was a bright, sunny Kansas morning. I was pastoring the church at Fort Riley. And one of the brothers called me up. He's now pastoring in Louisiana. But at the time, he was uh, a soldier stationed there at Fort Riley, Brother Houstoniano. And he said, Pastor, I got to take the beast out to exercise it. Do you want to come and take a ride? Now, Brother Houstoniano was a tank commander. And so when he was speaking of beast, he was speaking of an M1A1 Abrams tank. And here I am early in the morning, and this man is saying, do I want to go on a ride on a tank. Yes, I want to go on a ride on a tank. So I got in my vehicle and I drove out to the base and he said, follow me. Now he had his whole crew, his whole tank crew on the tank. And I'm following behind him in my vehicle and he pulls up to a place and I pull up and he tells the whole crew, get off the tank. And he says, pastor, come on over here. I want you to drive it. Now, I've never driven a tank before. And he said, here's what you do. And he put me down in it and it had kind of like this motorcycle grip. And it was, early, like I said, early in the morning. I got down in it. It was a cool day. And so your breath is making that mist and that fog coming up. And, and when you get down in the tank, there's a periscope, a little mirror that you look through when you're driving. And it shows you, it goes up and has mirrors and shows you out there. And at the, at the beginning, this was great because I'm driving this thing. He, he kicked his whole crew off the tank, and it was just me and him on the tank. And I'm taking this thing. You use it like a little motorcycle, and you twist that thing back. And that thing can go 60 miles an hour in this however many tons it is. I'm thinking it was 70 tons, but it was a huge amount of weight, whatever it is. If I get it wrong, uh, correct somebody else later. Amen? <laughs> But I'm driving it down. I said, man, this is great. You just give it some throttle. And that thing was just going all over the place. This is a, the dream, driving this tank. But after a while, we were talking back and forth. He was up there sticking out the, the top of the tank. I'm driving it down at the bottom. And as we were talking, my breath began to fog 
that little periscope that looks up. Now, this is a several multi-million dollar piece of equipment, and the Army hasn't figured out how to keep the one guy who's driving it to be able to see where he's going. Now, remember, I'm this guy's pastor, and so he's trying to be respectful. And he said, um, um, Pastor, um, do you feel how we're kind of like diagonal? Pastor, we're off the road. Now, I couldn't see. I didn't know where I was going because it was all fogged up. And he said, Pastor, just follow me. His head was out of the tank. And he said, go right, go right. And we got back on the road. And he said, now give it some gas. And I gave it some gas. And we got back to where we needed to be. I had to listen to him. I didn't like it. It was a little scary. Because I couldn't see where I was going. Imagine driving your car with blindfolds on. And having to obey somebody else telling you which way to go. It was a very uncomfortable situation. But that very uncomfortable situation eventually, as I yielded to him, who was out of the tank, he was, his head was in his torso was out so he could see everything, he gave me the directions and we got back safely and I had an experience of a lifetime getting to drive the tank. Only thing he wouldn't let me, he wouldn't let me fire it. I don't know why, but he wouldn't let me fire it. That would have been the best, but <laughs> that was great, getting to drive that tank. Now, as I thought about it later on, I said, you know, this is just like life. Because God puts us in situations that are sometimes uncomfortable for us. None of us know what we're going to face tomorrow. None of us know whether we're going to get a call from a doctor giving us a good, a good diagnosis or maybe something negative. None of us know if we have a day to live, a year, a decade. None of us know how long we have. And so we don't know the challenges we're going to face tomorrow. You need help, Brother Ray? If somebody was looking for change, is that what it is? If somebody was looking for change, he's looking for you. He doesn't know where you're at. So wave at him real quick so he can sit down. Amen. Over there somewhere. Oh, she left. Oh, okay. She's over there. All right. Thank you, thank you. If nothing else, you can buy yourself a good lunch. Amen. <laughs> She'll find you before you leave. Believe me. She'll find you. Amen. <laughs> Something about that. Give my wife money, and there's never change that comes back. You can ask all you want. What change? What change? Amen. She'll say something like, many happy returns. No change, but many happy returns. <laughs> well, it's the same way in life. There's things that we don't know what we're going to face tomorrow, but God does. And the more we go forward in life, the more uncertainties we face. We hear all of the voices on this side saying everything, and we shared about this not too long ago, especially in the political season, they want you to believe that whoever is in power is doing a horrible job, and unless you vote them out, uh, the, the world's going to die and go to hell in our country. Democracy's at stake. And then the people that are in there saying, if you let these guys come in, it's all going to go bad. And all that negativity gets in your mind. If you're not careful, you begin to be impacted by it. We have to be careful. That's why our scripture today says this. Jesus warning them in the book of Matthew, Mark rather, he said, take heed what you hear. 
What he was saying is, be careful what you are listening to. Because there are things that impact how we live our life. If you only think that you've got a day to live, you may squander everything you have. Amen? If you think there is no heaven, if there is no hell, you may live a very loose life. And so we are impacted by what comes in. And so Jesus warns us. He said, take heed what you hear. What he was telling us is that we've got to make sure that we feed our ears, our spirit, our mind with right information so that we'll have a right life. We've got to go not by the clouded vision that we see in the periscope, but we've got to go by what God says through the word of God. We've got to hear what God is saying to us. Now, when we speak about hearing from him, there's four different definitions in the Bible for this word hearing. First one, simple enough. Sound coming to our physical ear. We understand that. I hear his voice. The sound has come. I hear what's going on. But that's not the only hear that the Bible speaks of. It also refers to a response to what is heard. So when someone says, I heard you, and they've done what you've told them to do, that's the second type of hearing. So a person, for instance, if Brother Tuig's over there and Sister Dina is over here, and I say, I'll meet you downstairs and buy you a cup of coffee to both of them, and he doesn't hear me, he doesn't respond and go downstairs, Sister Dina hears me, but she doesn't go downstairs because she doesn't want to go downstairs, does it make a difference between the two? No. Same response. Amen? One didn't hear the physical sound. One didn't apply what was spoken to them. So there's no difference between hearing and hearing and not doing. Same result. The thing isn't done. Amen? It also means to understand. So when somebody says, I hear you, They're not just saying, I receive that physical vibration in my ear. They're saying, I understand what you're saying. Sometimes somebody can speak to you and you don't know what they're saying. You don't understand what they're talking about. And you say, I don't understand. I'm not hearing you. Amen? Because though they're speaking and the physical sound waves are coming in, I can't put together what you're trying to communicate to me. Finally, it means to receive communication from someone as have you heard from? Have you heard from Brother Joe or Sister Susie? We must not only hear God's word, but he wants us to obey God's word. And with all that's going on in our world today, we need to hear him all the more. We need to hear what God is saying. We need to know which direction to go. We've got to trust God over what our own thinking or what somebody, uh, just human beings may tell us. The Bible said that we are to beware of vain philosophy and uh, uh the counsel of the ungodly, meaning there are a lot of people that sound really intellectual, but if you listen to them, you end up in the ditch. If you go by your own clouded periscope, you end up off the road. We've got to hear what God is saying. Now, God will speak to us, but we've got to be willing 
to obey. You've heard me say this, and I, I, I used to hate when my pastor would say it. Somebody would go up and ask him for advice, and he'd say something like this. He'd say, just do what you want to do. You're going to do it anyway. And that would just make me cringe. Because what he was saying was, I'm not going to take the time to tell you what you should do, even though you're asking, because you have no intention of obeying. So why should I waste my breath and my energy speaking it to you when I know you're not going to do it? So if we want to hear from God, number one, we've got to be willing to obey when he tells us what to do. Amen? I want to ask you right now, how many of you, if you know what God wants you to do, are going to do it? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, I want to take a picture. I'm going to look and see, amen? All right. Because <laughs> you said I'm going to do. When I know what God wants me to do, I'm going to do it. All right. Because here's the thing. God is the same way. Let me read to you what he says in the book of Zechariah. I think I have that verse there. Zechariah 7 and 12. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone. Now, when the Bible speaks of heart, it's not speaking about this blood pump. It's speaking about your mind. So he's making the inmost being, your mind, like a stone. How many understand that when your mind is a stone, it's not open to receive anything? Amen? Lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. God was speaking to them through the prophets. He was giving them the word, but they wouldn't hear. Therefore, verse 13, it has come to pass that as he cried, God spoke to them. They would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. So one of the repercussions of us not hearing God is that God will not hear us. And I cannot picture a more horrible circumstance than to pray and God said, I'm not listening to you. That would be horrible. To have a circumstance that only God could fix, but God is saying, because you have not listened to me, I will not listen to you. When God turns a deaf ear to us, it is usually because we have done the same to him. When we live in defiance and disobedience to his commands, he often turns away. It's not that he doesn't hear our pleas. He simply knows that silence is what we most need. If you take advantage of God and you get to the place where you think he's like a, a sugar daddy, always there ready to give you what you want, instead of understanding that he is our creator, that he is our savior, that he is our Lord, that he is our king, that he requires and, demand, and, and demands obedience, and that we've got to do what he says. And if we do not do, not do what he says, he will not keep speaking to us. We must obey. We need to hear the voice of the Lord now more than ever. And yet, there are hindrances to hearing God's word. Today, increasingly men and women turn to Google as their God. Social media as their scriptures. Politicians as their prophets. And self as their savior. None of those people 
can help us like God can help us. Amen? And we've got to understand, with all the voices vying for our attention, with all the people crying to listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, we've got to silence those voices so that we can tune into what God is saying. The voice of God is more important than the voice of government. The voice of God is more important than the voice of society or the voice of media. We've got to hear what God says because God often speaks in contradiction to what what society says. God often speaks contrary to what the world thinks. I want to, this is crazy to me, but I read the statistic. It was um, eye-opening. It said that 50% of the people that consider themselves Christians think it is okay sometimes or always to have sex with somebody outside of marriage. And you want to scratch your head saying, wait, I can understand if that were pe- those were people in the world. But these are people that call themselves Christians, that think it's all right. And sometimes I'm, I'm studying, I'm reading, going through things, and you find people, and that's, that's what they're saying. Oh, yeah, man, they're young and they're single. You know that they're doing those things. It doesn't matter if they're a Christian or not. Wait a second. You're telling me that God's not stronger than the desires in me? I'm telling you God is. That if you want to stay pure, you can stay pure. God is greater than our sexual urges. He can keep us if we want to be kept. We don't have to be like everybody else. Matter of fact, he tells us that no fornicator shall have their part in heaven. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You've got to understand, it doesn't matter if all your friends are doing it. It doesn't matter if the whole world says it's all right. It doesn't matter if everybody says it. As long as you love them, God still says you can't get to heaven doing that. You can't get to heaven being a drunk. You can't get to heaven fornicating. You can't get to heaven being involved in homosexual sin. You can't be, get to heaven being involved in prejudice or, or anger or grief. We've got to be different. Come on this morning. There are hindrances. One of the greatest gifts I received, my sister's getting ready to, well, I won't tell how, but it's a milestone age, just in case she's listening, I don't want to get in trouble. But when I turned 50, <laughs> she bought me a set, got together with my mom and bought me a set of Bose noise-canceling headphones. And that's one of the best gifts I ever received, so comfortable to wear. And you can turn them on, sound on the inside, the music's great, awesome. But what's even better is it can be chaos in the house. And you put them on, and you turn them on, and it's silent. Now, I like them. I like them so much that when we, we blew them out using them for uh, church one time, I went and bought a different set. I like them so much, my son started buying them. He, he was borrowing mine. I said, hey, man, you got to get your own. He bought him his own set. Amen. Now, we like them because they help you study and it's good to listen to music to. My wife doesn't always like them. Can you imagine why? Because if I'm in my office downstairs and she's crying, hey, even if I hear I could say, well, I had my headphones on, amen. <laughs> so I try to be mindful. If I'm up walking around, I slip them off my ears so I can hear when she's calling because I want to be there for my wife because I love her. I will serve her and lay down my life for her. Amen. 
for those who are in our affirmations. Amen? Amen. So some of the hindrances to hearing God's word are times that we actively tune out God's word. How do you do that? Number one, you don't come to hear it. If you don't show up for church, you don't show up for Bible study, you don't show up for uh, uh, times of midweek service, you're not hearing God's Word. You are actively choosing to watch TV. You're actively choosing to listen and feed of the things of the world instead of the things of God. Let me tell you a secret. It's God that has power to get wealth. It's God that is the one that can renew us. You're saying, I just need some me time. No, what you need is some Jesus time. You need Jesus to refresh you. You need Jesus to renew your mind. You need Jesus to give you strength. You can't do it without him. And the more you allow, whether, and sometimes it's your own family, your wife, your daughters, your son, your, uh, your mom, your dad, your uncles, your cousins uh, that are trying to get you, they're all speaking into you. But you got to remember that time when God spoke to you. You got to remember when God rescued you. You got to remember when God forgave you. You got to remember when God picked you up and you can't listen to those voices anymore. And you got to say, wait a second, I know God is real. I know what he did in my life. I'm not going back. Before I got saved, I was a drunk, I was a drug user, sold drugs, did all kinds of stupid stuff. I'm not proud of it, I'm ashamed. And some of the nightmares that I have, sometimes I wake up and in my dream, I have gone back and used drugs or done something. And in my dream, I think, oh God, because I understand that's how I got saved. You could take a little too much and just like that, go off into eternity. We've done funerals in this church, not just young people. I'm thinking of a guy, he was in his 60s, overdosed on heroin, died, went off into eternity. People that said, well, I just wanted to, you know, escape. Come to Jesus. He can give you peace in the storm. Come to Christ. He can give you a, a lift. He can, he can do what the world and the drugs can't do. Because when your money's spent and you come down from it, if you come down and you don't end up lost into eternity, your problems are still there. And now you're just as empty, just as sad, a little bit poor, a little bit more addicted. Come to Christ. So we can purposely tune out God by not coming to hear what he says. We can have so many voices speaking to us that we cannot discern the voice of the Lord. And if that be the case, you've got to start removing voices. You've got to get quiet and let God speak to you. Now here, I'm going to give you a couple quick things. I know my time is, is, is running out. So a couple quick things. How do I know the voice of God? Number one, it will never contradict the Bible. God will never say, and for instance, you got to be careful. There was a, a, a prominent female evangelist years ago. I mean, she would travel the country and do miracles and all this stuff. And she got up one time and said, God told me I need to divorce my husband and marry this other evangelist. Now, I know that God didn't tell her to do that. Because that would mean that she is, uh, she is disobeying the scriptures. God's not going to say, hey, you go out there and uh, go ahead and, and divorce this one and marry somebody else, even though my word says that I hate divorce. Even though my word says if you, if you divorce somebody and you marry somebody else, you're committing adultery. God's not going to tell her that. 
Amen? So we can discern the voice of God, number one, by what does the Scripture say? If the Scripture tells me it's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't matter if all the world says it's right. Matter of fact, God tells us that's the way it will be. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat. Straight, which means difficult, is the gate that leads to life. How many? Few. We will always be the minority. Amen? As believers, you just got to build a strong enough backbone and a thick enough skin to put up with it. Hey, why are you always wearing a dress? Because I'm a Christian woman and God wants me to wear Christian women's garments. Amen? You know, God was way ahead of this whole thing. We saw all this transvestitism and all this transgenderism and people think, man, that's a, that's a horrible thing. They're taking eight-year-olds and cutting off their genitals and giving them uh, uh, sex-changing uh, hormones, all this stuff. Why? Because somebody along the line just wanted to go along with everybody else, wouldn't stand up and say it's wrong. Somebody along the line didn't like the idea that God says, listen, man, I want you to be a man. I want you to provide for your wife. I want you to protect her. I don't want you wearing frilly pink underwear, going around with limp wrists and not stand up and playing video games all day instead of going to work and providing for your family and taking the responsibility that God intended for you to have. Come on, ladies, help me out. Amen. That's what God intended for a man to do. Where are the men that will stand up and bear the responsibility instead of going around and impregnating as many women as they can and fleeing because it's hard to provide for them and you don't want to stand there and deal with all of the ramifications. You just want the pleasure and not the responsibility. God was way ahead of that. Matter of fact, he says, you shouldn't even have sex with them until you marry them. So ladies, that might be, no, that is definitely something that will help you. If the guy is wanting to do that with you before he marries you, that's not the guy for you as a Christian. Come on, sisters. I'm really trying to help you. You got to help me a little bit. Amen? Preacher, what if he's a nice guy and he really wants to? I'm afraid I'm going to lose him. He's not a nice guy then. He cares more for his own pleasure than he does about your soul. That's not somebody you need. Because one day your body's going to sag. Gravity and old age and inflation. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what an old preacher told me. He was, <laughs> he was counseling a young man. And the young man was kind of hesitant because the girl he was looking at was a full, a full gospel Christian, amen. <laughs> and he said, "You might as well, you might as well get your fat one. They're all going to get fat anyhow, amen." <laughs> now that's, I'm just saying what he said. So, anyhow, but if that's all that he was after, and he didn't have control and a love for God, that's not the man you want. He doesn't care enough about you. God wanted that man to be a protector. God wanted that woman to be the guide of the home. He wanted that woman to raise up her children. There's no daycare that can watch your children like you can. Amen? 
He wanted that woman to submit to the leadership of her, of her husband. And I understand sometimes, ladies, that's rough because he's not leading. But if you continue to push it back into his lap, amen? Come on now, hubby. You got to get up there and provide. We got some bills to pay. Let's go. Amen. Kick him out of bed in the morning. Time to go to work. Hide the power cord on the Xbox. Amen. Hey, 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 you got to go to work, man. I'll have dinner waiting for you when you get home after eight hours of work. But you got to go to work. He wanted that woman to provide, uh, to uh, guide the home, to submit to the leadership of her husband. And I understand it's difficult because sometimes he's not leading, but keep on giving it to him. Don't take it from him because then you end up with a little boy for a husband instead of a man. You don't need that. All right, let me go on. Some of the hindrances to hearing God's word, sometimes we purposely tune it out with headphones. Sometimes there's too many voices. We can't discern God's word. The Bible said if we walk in the spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But did you ever think that if we walk in the flesh, you shall not fulfill the desires of the spirit? You walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So it's my defense. I stay close to God, and as I pray and I read and I come to church and I sing spiritual songs, get rid of the rap music, get rid of the rock and roll, get rid of the country western, unless it's gospel, amen? Get rid of all that junk saying I got to kill this one, I got to blankety-blank this woman and blankety-blank. That's not God. Watching all that garbage, it impacts you, Amen? The Bible said making melody in your heart, spiritual songs, psalms as unto the Lord, things that will edify, things that will lift you up, things that will make you think about Jesus, not people that are mocking God. You know, some of these folks, and I could, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Jay-Z at the beginning of a concert. He began with giving honor to the devil and all these things, calling all this junk out. Katy Perry, who had her, uh, she did it in, in the, uh, the award ceremony, marching these demons around. And then there's Christians that are going out there buying their stuff, listening to that garbage. Are you still here? Oh, we just want to have some, some kind of a Sunday morning gathering, or do we want to have a real godly Christian church? And if we want to have a real godly Christian church, we got to do what God says. And there's nothing godly about Beyonce and Jay-Z or nothing godly about the latest uh, rappers or rock stars and all those people out there. They're swapping wives, involved in all kinds of garbage. Why give your money, your attention, your affections to them? Give it to God. Make melody in your heart to Jesus. Go home and get rid of those I was going to say CDs, but that's kind of old, isn't it? Clear off your playlist. If we walk in the flesh, you will not fulfill the desires of the Spirit in your life. Now, i got to be careful because sometimes people start building relationships in the church and they're undermining the Word of God and the pastor. Now, the Bible tells us that we should submit ourselves to leadership because they watch for our souls. If you have questions about the Bible, come to me. I'll show you what's in the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, you don't have to obey it. I'm going to give you what the Scriptures say. 
But you have to be careful because sometimes there are people that saddle up next to you and they want to undermine what the pastor and the Word of God are saying. For instance, when a brand new person comes to church, Brother Ken, can you understand this? I know you can. Yep, I'm going mobile. When somebody new comes to church, what what does the pastor and the pastor's wife do? We come, oh, man, welcome. We're so glad. Come on, shake my hand. We're so glad you're here, Sean. Welcome to church. Amen. Amen. Come on in. Next time we say, hey, Sean, what a blessing. Good you're here. Hey, let's go out to lunch, man. Amen. (laughs) He's liking that. We'll do that. All right. Next time he's, oh, man, God bless me. I call up, hey, Brother Sean, how you doing? Hey, it's good to see you. Come on to church. What about Bible study? Why? Because he's brand new. We want to get him in church. Now, sometimes because he's brand new, want to get him in church, I might not call Brother Ken as much because Ken's already in church. I'm trusting him that he's serving God, loving the Lord. If something happens, I'm going to follow up on him, of course. But there's hundreds of people in church. There's only so many phone calls, so many visits you can make. And so you tend to go to that new one to try to get him established until they can get established with God. And when they get established with God, then you can kind of wean off a little bit. Not that you don't love him anymore. But you're trusting God and them to continue that relationship, other Christians to come in, befriend them, love them, go out to lunch with them, have them over their house, have a cup of coffee with them, build that family of God with them. Amen. Then some folks would come around and say, well, because the pastor came up and he was spending time with Sister Fran trying to get her to serve God. And and Sister Fran's been around for a while. But trying to get her to serve God and everything else. He doesn't love me. Come on, man. Grow up. Would you? Are we five-year-olds at kindergarten? Can't you see what God is trying to do? Amen? Please. I know most of you are are way beyond that. But you hear that undercurrent sometimes and you want to say, give me a break. We've lived this life too long to go back to to kindergarten and and middle school, haven't we? Amen. Amen. Hey, well... Pastor Devonshire doesn't spend any time with me. Hey, it's simple. Invite me out to lunch. I'll go out to lunch with you. Listen, 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 listen. I'll even pay for my own lunch. I'm not asking for a free meal. But if you want to spend time with me, make a way. Amen. I'm not, I'm not withholding. There's a lot of things that we're doing. We're trying to do everything we can. If you feel like, oh, he's not spending time or she's not spending time, come up to him. Hey. Come walk up. Don't, instead of leaving during the altar call when I can't get to you, stay around to the end of church. Come by, shake my hand. Not that you have to. I'm not needy. I believe God's going to take care of me. But I'm saying, if you're going to have that attitude, at least do something about it. Amen. Amen. Come and, and get as close. You can get as close to Reverend Tuhig or myself or my wife as you want to. But don't go around complaining about it. Amen. We love you. Jesus loves you. Holy Ghost loves you. Amen. Get ready, musicians. There is a certain hubris or pride that tells people, this is another hindrance to hearing God, that they don't need God and therefore don't listen when he's trying to direct them. Oftentimes this arises when they have gotten away from God and they started listening more and more to the world. And the world will start filling their mind, and they'll come up with this, well, I know what I need to do. I I got my path, my life path all planned out, and they're not listening to God. Listen to what the Bible said. Jesus gave an example of a man who had uh, succeeded in life. He was a farmer. He had filled his granaries with grain. 
Matter of fact, he had so much, he didn't know what to do with it. And so he said, ha, I know what I'll do. It wasn't listening to God. He said, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And then I'll have all this grain, which to them was money. To, to us, you might say, man, I'll buy another rental property and I'll invest some more money and I'll fill up my 401k and then I'll be able to sit back and say, yeah, baby, I got it made. So the man said, I'll tear down my barns, I'll be build bigger barns and then I'll fill it up and I'll say eat drink and be married to my soul and God said you fool because this night thy soul shall be required of thee now how how could he have known that he didn't he could have if he would have listened you see here's what I'm saying to you I think God's trying to speak to some of you there's some relationships you got to get out of there's some habits you got to leave behind there's some, you get, some of you need to make a move and get to the altar. Some of you need to cut off some French. Some of you need to stand up and be a man and say, you know what? I'm going to go to church whether my wife likes it or not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve God. I got to get to heaven. My family's depending on me. Quit, quit giving in to them. Listen, you can't make them happy giving in to them. Stand up, be a man. They'll respect you afterwards. What are some of the helps? I'm almost done. To hearing God's word, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. First, you got to be a child of God. If you've never surrendered to Christ, that's the first thing. Come to him today and say, Jesus, forgive me and save me. And when you get into the family of God, God tunes you in to his frequency. And you begin to hear what he's saying. What will he be saying? He'll be saying, spend time with my word. He'll be saying, come to church. He'll be saying, spend time with other Christians. What other things? Help me. To hear God's word. God is not a microwave God. He's a slow cooker. So you need time. Get up 30 minutes early and sit there alone with God. Spend 30 minutes at the end of the day and just sit there and say, God, I'm not going to just fill your ears with all the junk that I want. I'm going to listen to you. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? Listen to him. And be willing to do what what he says. Now, I got the pictures. What does he say? Some, he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. To some of you, that means getting out of the pew. When this altar's open, coming down and publicly making a stand to come and pray and say, Jesus, I surrender to you. To others, it might be God's telling you about that relationship. He's telling you about those situations. I don't even have to say it. You already know what God's saying. He said you'd do it. If you knew what he wants, it's time to put that in your prayer. Bow your head close your eyes tonight. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all you've done. God, we need to hear you now more than ever. So much going on in our life. So much going on in our world. So many voices trying to mislead us. 
Would you help us tonight? God, those that have come to church this morning, you're speaking to them. You're saying, come unto me. You're saying that you'll forgive them. You'll give them a new start. You're telling them to take... Matter of fact, your word went on to say that with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to them again. We come hungrily listening, receiving. God, you'll give us your attention.